modern medicine has moved past corporate practice and medicine prohibitions. But the counter argument is made is like, well, if they were designed for something, private equity is exactly the extreme form of business practices you don't want in a specialty like emergency medicine, where we treat the most vulnerable patients in the country. Welcome to the Emergency Medicine Workforce Podcast, where we explore the business and profession of emergency medicine. I'm Leon Edelman, an emergency physician and co-founder of Ivy Clinicians. Today, we're honored to have Dr. Robert McNamara on the show. He's the chairman of emergency medicine at Temple University, former president of the American Academy of Emergency Medicine, otherwise known as AAEM, and he has been fighting for emergency physicians and their patients for decades. Among other things, Dr. McNamara and I discussed the AAEM lawsuit against Envision Healthcare and whether corporations should own and run medical practices. Early in Dr. McNamara's career, his goal was to be a leader in academic emergency medicine, and he was in line to run for the board of directors of the Society for Academic Emergency Medicine, SAEM. That was until a book came out that would change his life and career. I was a young physician's rep to the board of trustees for three years. And then the rape of emergency medicine hit. And I, I just read the book and I said, wait a second. We're training our residents to go out into this kind of a world. You know, I, I, I said at the time, if half of this stuff is true, then I have to get involved because you know, we, we think we're doing great things here in academic emergency medicine, and we were. Board certification, NIH funding, research, more and more academic departments. And essentially, I did the research. Everything in the book was true and even worse. In 1992, The Rape of Emergency Medicine by Dr. James Keeney detailed corruption and rampant exploitation of emergency physicians that severely impacted patient care. Hundreds of physicians, including Dr. McNamara, reached out to Dr. Keeney, and eventually they formed AAEM, the American Academy of Emergency Medicine. They wanted to do better than what Dr. Keeney's book exposed. Why are we doing this? It's so the doctors can deliver the best quality care to the patients without having outside business influence. That's the principle. And... You can't fudge things. You have to stick to your core principles. You can't make deals. And, you know, I, I, you probably where I've got a real problem with the American college allowing private equity to be part of emergency medicine. And there's sort of this rationale that, well, they can help us fight the insurance industry. To me, that's, that's a, a false bargaining. You, you can't align with somebody that I think doesn't have the same moral foundation that we do to fight another entity because then you're, you're part of the problem. So it hasn't made things easy, but I think at the end of the day, these principles are going to hold forward. I, you know, I can sleep at night saying myself, the Academy, we're standing on core principles that benefit patients. I believe it. So let's dig into the AAEM lawsuit against Envision. That's what we're going to spend most of our time on today. Can you give us the one-liner uh, description of the lawsuit? Yeah, basically what we're saying is that the setup that Envision has established 
to create a, a captive-friendly physician group to employ the physicians in California is an illegal method of attempting to skirt the prohibition on corporations practicing medicine in the state of California. I mean, that's the simple one-liner. Got it. And then we're going to do a little bit of background. Can you tell us what AAEM is and what AAEM PG or practice group is? So AAM is a you know full service professional organization. We formed back in 1993 on two key issues. One was exploitation. Jim Caney wrote the book called The Rape of Emergency Medicine. Certainly, you probably wouldn't term it that day. You know, this the sensitivity was different then. And the second one was all board certified organization. This was a time when I don't know if you're of that generation, but the Daniel suit was going on. ABEM was being sued for closing the practice track. So we were the first all, I'm a star, the only all board certified emergency medicine organization. But, you know, that issue has kind of faded. You know, we, we had a lot of success there. And now it's really, again, about physician control of their professional lives. So that's the AAM. The AAM physician group is a subsidiary of AAM, which its goal is to help physicians run their practices better, to protect them from corporate takeover, and to help new practices get started. I mean, that's what we do. So the doctors own own the ED practice, and we help them. And so we have a business relationship with them. So that is the actual entity that's harmed here. The subsidiary of the AAM, the physician group, was harmed when Tenet awarded this contract to Envision. And then on the other side of the lawsuit is Envision. Can you talk a little bit about what Envision is and the entity that owns them, which is uh, KKR? Well, Envision, it, you know, its founding goes back to MCARE, which was just emergency medicine at the time. MCARE, you know, the 1980 81 president of ASAP, Leonard Riggs, was the founder of MCARE, multi state contracting group. Uh, Leonard Riggs made $40 million when he sold the company in 1996 to Laidlaw, a lay entity, and then subsequently rolled over to private equity. Now, that's what KKR is. KKR, you know, the big Wall Street investment firm, KKR owns Envision. Envision itself is not just emergency medicine now. They they merge with AmSurge, ambulatory surgery, and they obviously acquired other specialties besides EM hospitalist practice, radiology, anesthesiology. You know, one, one of the things I say is, you know, everybody gets fired up about healthcare insurers, right? And they rightly should. United Health Group, right? They're the they're the worst. But the CEO of United Health Group, you know, he was paid like $60 million for the year. The four principals of KKNR each make over $100 million a year. Like, so these entities are the same, okay? And, and we're... Unfortunately, a lot of us see us as aligned with private equity, which I think was a huge mistake for the specialty to, to step into those waters because it's, it's tarnished our image. I think it's made it more difficult for emergency medicine to succeed in things like this No Surprises Act. So KKNR, they're out there to make a 20% return on investment for the people that kick in money to their fund. They're supporting the rich. That's what we're up against. Yeah, KKR became famous from the the classic business book, Barbarians at the Gates. So I'm not sure that the folks who 
designed corporate practice of medicine laws would definitely would want a company who's known as the barbarian to be managing their physician practices? Well, that's a key point. I mean, if you look at the corporate practice of medicine laws, a lot of these go back to the 40s and 50s. And the fundamental underlying thing is it's to protect the physician-patient relationship from the business influence, that the doctor's interface with the patient should not be influenced by those that are there to seek profit. So certainly, it's kind of interesting. Private equity wasn't an issue like in 1955. And there's often talk that these laws are an anachronism. Modern medicine has moved past corporate practice and medicine prohibitions. But the counter argument is made is like, well, if they were designed for something, private equity is exactly the extreme form of business practices you don't want in a specialty like emergency medicine, where we treat the most vulnerable patients in the country. Yeah, and it's interesting that nobody seems to be making that argument about lawyers. The lawyers have very similar laws protecting their practices, and they fight tooth and nail to keep those laws on the books. And there are no private equity-owned law firms because they sue them and win when somebody tries to take over a law firm who's not a lawyer. Right. I mean, that's, you know, their core ethical standards are that lawyers will not allow that business influence into the lawyer-client relationship. So this is clearly, you know, and it's one of my frustrations, like why medicine hasn't lasted onto that more, because we're going to argue this in a court of law where the lawyers rule and what are, is the lawyer-client relationship more important than the patient-physician relationship? I think we have a strong argument because everybody sitting there is going to know that, yeah, I'm not allowed to do this. So that gives me a lot of hope for our litigation. Besides what's in the law, I mean, it has that moral argument that it's going to be hard for lawyers to, to overcome. Agreed. So let's go back to first principles here. Why, why is it so bad for a corporation to own and run a medical practice? So there, there's a couple of different angles we could take on this. So, I mean, let's get to the reason why I got involved. You know, the effects on an emergency physician's career. When you're working a difficult specialty like emergency medicine, 24-7 nights, weekends, holidays, the stuff we see, you know, your listeners will know. This is an inherently stressful profession. If you feel you're being taken advantage of in a difficult job, you're not going to last right? You're going to get burned out and, and what we're leading in burnout. And while this isn't the sole cause, I believe the emergency isn't feeling they're being exploited by these companies. They're, there's, you know, making money for the machine. That's going to contribute to their burnout, to their leaving the specialty. And along the way, uh, the path of burnout, you don't deliver the highest quality care because you're, you know, you're not focused. You're not the best physician. And then if a doctor leaves early, all right, we just saw there's a 5% attrition rate in the most recent mm -hmm. study. A 20-year career? I mean, the best doctors were losing them. They're, they're saying themselves, nine, 10 years out, I, I can't keep doing this game. You know, I'm not the best doctor at my age. The one-year faculty member is not the best doctor. It's those nine, 15, 20-year docs that have the training, the experience, and they're saying, we're giving up on emergency medicine because of these business practices, that's going to affect the patients. 
And then the second thing we see is the actual effects on the patients themselves, right? I mean, I could detail things for you. I mean, 60 Minutes did a show where Envision was forcing docs to admit the elderly to a quota, you know, at the behest of HMA, a a for-profit chain. Your grandma could go in there and get admitted when she didn't need to because the doctor would be fired if they didn't help the company and HMA make money. That's a direct implication on patient care. And then the staffing squeezes. You know, we, the board-certified emergency physicians, are the number one expense for private equity and emergency medicine. And they're going to make you work to your capacity, patients per hour. They're going to squeeze you on that. And they're going to replace you with cheaper caregivers, right? And we know this. We, we've got the slideshows. We've seen the evidence. We've seen the, the ads from these companies. Their Justin Health Affairs last week was a publication by Jane Zhu out of Portland saying that private equity comes in, the use of non-physician practitioners goes up. So it's that's not necessarily the best thing for the patient is to have a less skilled caregiver taking care of them in, it, in it, the emergency department. Let's take a break to tell you about our sponsor, Ivy Clinicians. Full disclosure here, I'm Ivy's founder, Both as a practicing physician and ED medical director, navigating the job market felt like going back to the days of classifieds and smoke-filled rooms. Who staffs which ED? I don't know. Who should I contact there? I don't know. What's it like to work there? You get the point. So our team at Ivy created the Zillow of the emergency medicine job market. With Ivy, you can find all 5,549 EDs in the United States, Filter them by your preferences and connect with the right employers, all for free. Your data is secure with Ivy. You pick which employers can see your profile. Sign up now at ivyclinicians.io. When Ivy connects you with your next emergency medicine job, we will even send you a bottle of champagne and a bag of 321 coffee beans to celebrate. That's ivyclinicians.io. All right, back to the show. In an article that I saw, 34 states currently have corporate practice of medicine laws and uh, private equity companies obviously are uh, usually not owned by physicians. Why have there not been more lawsuits before the AAEM lawsuit in California? What's what's prevented others from taking steps like AAM is taking? Well, you know, other organizations, uh, no, I can't fully speak for them, but obviously there's some conflicts of interest, right? Taking money from the companies, having physician leaders who are executives in these companies. Now, this is not the first time AAM has been involved in litigation, okay? We have several other actions that we were engaged with, most of them successful. There was one case against Team Health in Texas where we did not get standing. The, the arguments were never argued. We, we thought we had a great case, but the physician had gotten fired. And therefore, you know, we're an outside organization like that just says, well, what's your standing here? You're based on Milwaukee. This is a Texas case. But in California, twice before, we had against what was then called Catholic Healthcare West, which, you know, rolled up to be common spirit. They had bought a contract group and we helped 
the docs, they got together and sued to not be taken over by this hospital-based contract group, which was called Merton. The judge basically said, Catholic Health or West, I don't know what you're trying to do here. It's illegal corporate practice of medicine. It's illegal fee splitting. The docs won that case. We countered sued Team Health in Mount Diablo Hospital when they, they sued a couple docs because they lost a contract. And they say the doctors undermined it. Okay, they interfered with the contract, cost, loss of revenue. AAM countersued and Team Health settled on behalf. Of the doctors did well. We at that time said, oh, man, we'd like to take this to the mat. But, you know, you got three docs that were on the hook. So we wound up, we agreed to the settlement. We also sued uh, in Minnesota when MCARE then, now Envision, took over uh, two contracts from a, an ED group called EPA, which is still in existence, a multi-site uh, democratic group. And we said, you know, this is the illegal corporate practice of medicine. And what happened is... Those docs left, the lawsuit was out there, and the hospital terminated the contract after a month. So there has been success before. It's going to cost a lot of money. I mean, we was able to convince the board of AAM to say, you know, you know, this is going to cost potentially two, two and a half, maybe three million dollars. Why else do we exist? This is a core suit for the who is going to control the practice of medicine. Us or the suits, all right? Suits can exist, but they should be working for us, not the other way around. And, that, and you know, that's sort of another angle here that a lot of doctors have people help them run their practice. The situation's reversed here where they're running it and we're working for them. So, I, you know, I have to give credit to the AM board. They bought the arguments that we have a good case and they essentially committed all our resources to this suit. And it's, it, I was a proud moment when they agreed to do that. Yeah. AEM is all in on this case. So let's dig into the arguments in the case. I'll, I'll do the more difficult one first. Can you summarize what you think envisions uh, key arguments are going to be in this case? Well, we've already seen them because they had a motion to dismiss, which was ruled in our favor completely. So they're going to say that they are not practicing medicine that they are, you know, they're just doing the business support. They're not influencing the practice of medicine. And, th and that is the classic argument that we're just here to provide, you know, financial assistance, business skills, and all that kind of stuff. You know, that's, you know, a lot of states, that's all it would take, right? In Florida, the law says you can work for a business corporation, but they cannot influence the practice of medicine. California, if you read the Business and Professions Code or the California Medical Board guidance, they say, like, having financial control, determining what the charges are going to be, controlling the economics, owning the records, that in and of itself is the practice of medicine. And then you get into the issues of, like, well, what are we doing here? Who is actually running the shop? Metrics, hiring and firing, staffing patterns. These are all our arguments that they are the practice of medicine. The short summary is if you look at the California Medical Board's guidance on corporate practice of medicine, Envision checks off most of those boxes. Those are arguments. We're, we're very excited to take this to court. We do not see California saying it's okay to completely run the business and do this, all this other stuff, and not be guilty of the corporate practice of medicine. We we think we have a very strong case here. 
So before this conversation, I, I looked up on Medicare's uh, billing database on hospitalcompare.gov, uh, who staffs the, the hospital that this lawsuit is about. And it says the, the staffing doesn't say Envision. It says Glass Beach Medical Services, a medical corporation. Did I just ruin AAEM's lawsuit by, by finding out that Envision isn't the one billing Medicare? No, you, you just cut right to the core. I mean, this is really the key issue in the case. Can a front professional association, can this vehicle protect the Envisions, the KKRs, the Blackstone groups from being accused of the corporate practice of medicine? It's our contention that that is a business construct to get around the prohibition. And there is case law elsewhere that says you can't do this. You can't set up a sham professional association. The, the ownership of Glass Beach. Now, it, you, know, you can go to any state and just open records. You, know, you can get who owns it. And it's owned by one doctor from Tennessee an Envision executive, okay, who doesn't practice in California, uh, claims his practices is elsewhere. Probably, I don't think he's ever set foot in that emergency department. It'll be interesting to see if he's ever set foot in California before the acquisition. The, the guy before, who owned it before, before this guy took over, was in Hawaii and hadn't been to the mainland in a long time. So this is the crux of the case if you, you know, and, and this is the model that they use. If you saw the Ray Brovon case where he won $26 million from Envision, if you read the Missouri Court of Appeals ruling on there, they had a doctor, Dr. Gregory Byrne, held 275 to 300 professional entities in 20 states on behalf of Envision. That is clearly just a ruse to obscure the ownership. So, uh, you know, you haven't ruined our case. It is our case that this is a sham. And uh, I think they'll see through that. And speaking of, uh, I don't know if sham is the right the right word, but it is uh, certainly an ironic term, the friendly physician. Tell us, tell us how the friendly physician fits into this. So basically it's, you know, friendly physician, the captive physician group, this is a model that's promulgated to get around the corporate practice of medicine laws. And so a doctor signs that they are the owner of Glass Beach or this other professional corporation. Now, what happens behind the scenes is that they also generally sign something called a stock transfer restriction agreement, which essentially strips them of any true power. You know, they do not have the right to issue dividends, issue more stock, to sell the professional corporation. They sign that off. It's the corporation that controls it. Now, you know, we've seen that in other matters. Uh, so, and California actually is, is in tune to those. There was actually legislation proposed to eliminate them from their use in Medicaid and, and medicine. So that's how they do it. I mean, it, it's that construct of you're using my name to get around the law. That's, you know, what we consider this friendly physician thing. Got it. And as you mentioned before, a lot of cases like this settle out of court. Is there a chance that AEM will settle with Envision in this case? Not in the least. There is no intent to settle. 
you know, as I said, we, we, we wrestled with this before we have standing. We want to argue the principle on behalf of the patients in California. That's the goal. It's public interest and the interest, obviously, of our members and all emergency physicians. We are not suing for monetary damages. Okay, we are not asking to be paid for the money we lost in this PG relationship. We basically believe that, you know, we want to put forward the principle that the corporate practice of medicine doctrine in California is valid and the envision arrangement, you know, is not legal in the terms of that doctrine. So there's no intent to settle. We're fully prepared to go the distance our attorneys have gotten at. You know, we want to have a ruling on this to set precedent, California, and certainly for other states. So you've thought a lot about this case. What what do you think will be the the judgment, the ruling at the end of the case? Well, I mean, we're hoping that's exactly what it is, that this arrangement with a, you know, this front professional association, this captive physician is not legal in the state of California, that doctors who are practicing in the state actually have to own this. They have to control it. They have to tell Envision what to do, not vice versa. So that's ultimately what, what we're hoping for. And then obviously this will apply to other companies that, that use the same techniques. And, we, you know, hopefully it will, I mean, we believe, you know, California is a state that's looked to in terms of a lot of precedent setting rulings. We think, you know, we can use this in other states that have, you know, of those 34 states that have a, a ban on corporate practice of medicine. We think we can use it in, in those states. Certainly, you know, we had talked before to call about North Carolina. Texas is an obvious state. New York, Pennsylvania, where I'm at. So we want to have this to be the, you know, the first in a, a series of challenges to the corporate practice of medicine. So about about a quarter of ERs in the country are uh, managed by groups that are owned by by private equity. Um, if the AM lawsuit, if AM wins the lawsuit, what do you think the the next day looks like in states that have corporate practice of medicine laws? Does do those companies kind of change their management structure? Do they lose their contracts to private groups? What what do you think happens kind of the next the next day? Yeah, that, I mean that's hard to predict. So obviously they're going to have to disclose this to their investors, right? I mean, it's, it's a, be a major ruling. And you're going to have to say, hey, this is, this is going to be an issue for us going forward. If you look at when they were public, okay, so you're probably aware that Team Health was publicly traded at one point, and they had to file documents with the SEC, and, and they listed this as a material risk, that in certain states, we could be found guilty of violating the corporate practice of medicine. So that's going to be one thing that it, it, they're going to take a hit. And Separate to our action, you're aware that this whole debt financing, you know, the lower COVID volumes. I mean, there's an article mm-hmm. saying, you know, Envision Healthcare hits the skids. They're having issues with revenue. We believe that this is going to signal a quicker exit of private equity in emergency medicine. The real question becomes what, what comes next. Okay. Now, the dangers are, to me... You know, sound physicians, who own sound physicians? Optum, right? United Health Group, co-own Summit. So it's private equity and 
the most evil insurer owns sound physicians and they're growing in emergency medicine. Who's sitting on a ton of cash after the pandemic? The insurers, which they have to spend. Right. You know, all of this thing about, oh, we got to have these guys PE so we can fight the insurers. Now we can wind up fighting the insurers. How are you going to do that? How are you going to fight sound? Corporate practice and medicine. They're an insurance industry. So I'm like a little bit like, well, hello, folks. Why aren't you more vigorously joining in with the AAM on the suit? Because the wolf at the door is insurance companies owning us. Now, you are probably saw the news. Optimus employs more physicians than any other entity in the country. Okay, that just came out in the past week. That's an insurer that you're working for. What could be worse for the patient than that? Having the doctors owned by the insurance company. The AMA's got to step up. State medical societies. Hope, you know, the ASAP is starting to turn a little bit. They did give us a brief, which I'm like, we're 100% happy that happened. But it's really the future, you know, after private equity, we got to think about. We definitely think this will open up an opportunity for more physician-owned groups to come back into existence, to, to reacquire their their practices. And, you know, we're there to assist them, too, with the AM Physician Group to do that. Got it. And if the case goes against AAM and Envision wins, what do you think the effect on the market will be? Uh, I'll retire. (laughs) (laughs) I hope not. I think that's a remote possibility. I mean, unless there's some weird technicality, but I can't see a court saying the guidance from the Medical Board of California is invalid because it's all, you know, founded in patient protections. If we were to lose and they say, yeah, this is okay, you can set up a sham professional association. Well, that would take a huge amount of wind out of our sails as the academy because we've been, you know, trying to ride this issue for a while. I guess, you know, you can always lose. I hope for the docs and the patients that we don't lose. We're, you know, we're staking our, all of our finances on this. You know, we're going all in. We're not taking a half step in this battle. So let's take a, a step back and discuss some more general questions. Are there other avenues to pursue regarding corporate uh, the corporate practice of emergency medicine? Yeah, there's two key aspects that I want to bring up. One is the friendly physician, okay? Those states that prohibit the corporate practice of medicine say that you can risk your license for aiding and abetting the illegal corporate practice of medicine. Okay, there there have been examples. Again, I we just spoke to the North Carolina in that state, they the medical board had censured physicians and suspended their licenses and taken their licenses for things like, you know, working for a minute clinic, and then the staff at the minute clinic fired a mid-level. The doctor didn't do it. And they said, that's a business practicing medicine by firing your staff. Or, you know, another doctor was getting referrals for hair transplants in North Carolina. And the company was doing all the finances and keeping all the money and paying the doctor a salary. Same things that we're kind of arguing here. So bringing to the attention of the medical boards, these physicians who are allowing their licenses to be used is another way to break this chain, right? Obviously, if they say a friendly physician model is okay, then we can't use it. But if those physicians are at risk, they're going to be less likely to step up and sign that deal, sign that stock transfer restriction agreement. 
we have, if you read the lead article on emergency medicine news this month, myself and another doc from Texas filed with the Texas Medical Board about the doctor in the Brovac case. They blew us off, but we're going to continue to pursue that. We're going to say, hey, you know, this is your rules. The second big thing out there is there's massive fee splitting going on. Private equity wants a 20% return on investment. That If you invest, that's what they claim. So you as an emergency physician, for the right to see patients, to receive referrals, are signing with a company that you know there's going to be 20% profit being taken off the top. That is way beyond fair market value for what those companies are giving you as an independent contract. You're going in there with your stethoscope. You're taking all the risk. You know, you're the one going through the stress. You're the one who's going to be sued if there's a bad outcome. And they're making 20 plus percent profit off of you. So that is another action that can be taken. All these doctors have been working for <clears throat> these private equity bad companies. They, they have an option there to say, uh, we want our money back. You know, this was a, a construct that violates state and federal law on fee splitting. We have a little bit of that in our lawsuit, if you see it. You know, we think there is some shifting of funds back to the hospital by Envision, but certainly docs out there should consider fee splitting actions, recovering mm -hmm. the money that they, they generated when caring for patients. And if an emergency physician is inspired by um, the work that you've done and wants to be more involved in AAEM, what would you recommend their, their next steps be? How do they get involved? Uh, well, you know, first off, joining AAEM is, is key because obviously, you know, when we write letters and we do things, the more members we have, the more clout. You know, when we, you know, write to the FTC, the Department of Justice, state attorney generals, the, the bigger your numbers, the better the letter is, Right. I mean, you can directly support the lawsuit. Just go to the website. There's ways to donate funds for that. Obviously, you can't all spend your, all your time, like, like I do, advocating these issues. But you'd be surprised how effective emergency physicians can be in organized medicine. And I'm not just talking about AAM or ASAP. I'm talking about state medical societies, the AMA, your county medical society. You can have a lot of clout. And in general... If you step up and just go to like a meeting, like your county board, they're going to say like, hey, you're interested? Hey, we got a seat for you. And you can get engaged and, and help affect change. Certainly on the corporate issues, we think it's important, but, but other issues of importance to emergency medicine. When there's calls for action, right? we're going to have a call for action about the non-competes, right? That the FTC just, your voice, your anecdote, your story, this is how... This affected me. This is how it affected my patients. That carries so much weight. You know, it's sort of a new thing in politics, right? Like people, you know, Congress brings people to testify and State of the Union, here's so-and-so in the audience. Real mm -hmm. stories from real emergency physicians carry a, a lot more weight than you think they do. Agreed. So one question I like asking our guests is, what book or movie would you recommend to our audience? I mean, obviously, I would, I would recommend reading The Rape of Emergency Medicine if you've never read it, because it's it's not really that great of a book, but it's sort of like a period piece on our specialty. I'm a history buff, military reading. I was trying to think, like, what's the book I had the most fun reading? 
And I'm going to say Gates of Fire by Stephen Pressfield. It's about it's historical fiction about Sparta, Thermopylae, you know, the whole 300 Spartan things. Really cool book. I just did also finish the Atkinson trilogy, you know, the Liberation trilogy about the war in Europe. Uh, great writer. In terms of movies, I'm not a real big movie guy. My wife will say Braveheart is my favorite movie because I've watched it so many times. Oh, yeah. Um, but I uh, like. I watch The Quiet Man every St. Patrick's Day. The you know mm. around Christmas holidays, uh, you know, I got to watch a Christmas story. Same old jokes. The leg lamp. Um, Never gets old. Yep. <laughs> so, if folks want to get in touch with you. Um, what's the best way to to reach Dr. McNamara? There's links to me on the AM website. Um, I mean, the easiest email is cmo at aaempg.com. But certainly just going to AAM, I get contacts all the time, not just about these issues, but, you know, helping docs that have been denied due process, all those other things. AAM is very responsive to its members when it has an issue and, you know, certainly will send things out to me or other members of the board that can assist you. Well, Dr. McNamara, this has been a a true pleasure. You've inspired generations of emergency physicians. You're uh, fighting an important fight. So thank you very much for what you do. And thanks for your, your insights today. Well, I I thank you for the, you know, opportunity to get the word out even further. I, like I you know, as you heard, I I think this is a, a battle for the soul of the specialty. Thanks for listening to the Emergency Medicine Workforce Podcast. If you have feedback for us or just have some thoughts on this episode, hit us up on social media at EM Workforce. And don't forget to subscribe now to this podcast on your favorite podcast app or at emergencymedicineworkforce.com. This podcast is edited and produced by EarFluence. I'm Leon Edelman, and if you're in the emergency medicine trenches, I appreciate all the work that you do. We'll see you again soon with the next episode.